0: This podcast is brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Thinking and Doing. this podcast, I examine logical fallacies, cognitive biases, stoic teachings from masters past and present, and tips on being better at life. I hope it will be as instructive to you as it is to me in the pursuit of thinking and doing well. If you'd like to kick back a small commission from every Amazon purchase you make at no extra cost to you, please use and bookmark our special link at amazonevc.com. That's amazonevc.com. All right, welcome to the podcast. We have a special guest with us, my good friend Chris Jenkins, who is a regular on my other podcast. And I asked him, I said, do you have any interest in Stoicism? And he said, yeah, absolutely. And I said, great. You want to do an episode on my other
1: podcast where we talk about Stoic topics all the time? And he said, yeah. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. So I'm actually pretty new to Stoicism. I've only read a little bit of stuff online, so I've never I haven't actually read a book about stoicism, so I'm really just kind of scratching the surface.
0: Okay. No, that's good because I, I mean, I'm, I'm a student, so you're a student and I'll probably always consider myself a student. I think that's the right uh, mindset to have when it comes to these things. Um, There are, I guess what you would call stoic masters and you find them in the past, you know, Mm -hmm. thousands of years ago, but you also find them more recently, you find them today. Mm -hmm. There's people that write a lot about it and have, and a lot of times, you know, they're, they're writing their own things, but they're also bringing in the, the ancient, the ancients, right. The ancient Stoic masters and kind of either reformulating them or giving them a new twist or this or that. And there can be value in that. So anyway, yeah, always the student. So this, um, list came through Reddit recently that I thought was, was pretty good. I think it, it provide for some Mm -hmm. pretty good back and forth. This guy wrote, I don't have who it was that wrote, it, and I'll, I'll link to the original in the description of the podcast, but he just says, um, I have a mental checklist I run through in my head in downtime, downtime to reinforce Stoic principles. Uh, these are what I call my 10 timeless tenets distilled into two or three words. Um, the guy's name who posted it, this was in the Stoicism subreddit, is Freaky Econ. So anyways, yeah, I'll link to that original. Anyway, so I thought this is a kind of a, a ten, 10, point list. And I thought, you know what, let's just go back and forth on this. I think that'd be fun. So what do you say? That sounds good. All right. Number one. And I'll, I'll read this and then I'm going to let you sort of in your, I guess we could say beginner mindset, tell me what you think about it. And then if there's anything <laughs> of value to add, I'll add it <laughs> or not. Um, <laughs> and we'll just, we'll just do that. Okay. Number one, cognitive distancing, see your life from above. And at a distance to understand what truly matters.
1: Uh, the whole social distancing thing has really got me in a, in a negative point of view when it comes to any word with distancing in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> understandable. <laughs> so, when I first read through this, I was like, ah, why? Why? <laughs> why is this word here? <laughs> but really, it, it fits for what the author is trying to describe. It's just my own mental hang-up on Distancing. The (laughs) word distancing.
0: See your life from above and at a distance to understand what truly matters. Mm -hmm.
1: And this makes sense. Uh, To me, what he's trying to describe doing is stopping and taking a look at the big picture in comparison to what is going on in the moment. So that way you can have the right perspective on how to proceed with whatever the current activity is. Yeah, I think this is
0: helpful when it comes to like conflicts or, mm-hmm. or not necessarily like interpersonal conflicts with other people, but just problems or or mm-hmm. barriers that you're, you're up against. Something's happened. Maybe it's misfortune. Maybe it's an accident. Maybe, um, I don't know, you're just you're stuck on something and it might be something that that happened like a misfortune or an accident, something broke, something you valued broke and it's OK to feel angry. It's OK to feel sad right? I think those things have their place and they should be given their mm-hmm. day in court, so to speak, if the court is your mind, mm-hmm. fill them, experience them. And then what it talks about here, see your life from above and at a distance, kind of like bird's eye view or God's eye view. Mm-hmm. How? uh What is this problem really? Is it something minor that I'm going to forget about tomorrow or in a week or in a month? Or is it something major that is going to have a big effect on other people? Let's stand back. Let's try to map that out and then come up with solutions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If it it's in what I was picking up from the text. Yeah.
0: That'd be interesting. He doesn't have, and this is kind of just his,
1: his own little mental checklist, this person, and he doesn't
0: have any mm-hmm. sort of like links to quotes by the masters or anything like that. That mm-hmm. that would
1: be interesting to sort of expand on some of this stuff, but yeah. And just something kind of separate from the, the current statement that we're reading through as it was, this different stuff that I've read online about uh, stoicism, it only has four questions usually. But I find this kind of fascinating because it's got ten questions. This here, yes. This this. Well, it's
0: uh, well, ten. It's a checklist of principles. Yeah, and some of them may be similar
1: and they may be related. Hmm. Um, so yeah. We'll see where they go. But, the they're all very similar in the different things that I've read online. But I think this is quite a bit better because it. I don't know, not that not that I think overcomplication is better, but I think this has a bit more meat to it than the others that I've read. Okay. Um, concerning, the other thing, the other point I wanted to
0: make on this cognitive distancing is something I do a lot, and it's probably one of the things that I've taught my wife and taught my kids more than this other stuff when it comes to stoic principles, is whenever there is an issue or something happens, um, I always... I always ask, will this matter in a hundred years? In a hundred years, where will I be? Well, I'll be dead. Yep. Most likely I'll be dead. I'm not going to live to 136. Nobody does. Yeah, that doesn't happen. So in a hundred years, I'll be dead. So, you know, my car gets hit on the side and it puts this big, ugly scrape. You know, I can be annoyed. I can be sad. I can be angry about that. Will it matter in a hundred years? There's a test. Um, it's not on here, but it's something like when something happens, ask yourself, will it matter in 10 days? Will it matter in 10 weeks? Will it matter in 10 months? Will it matter in 10 years? That's a kind of another way when yeah. it comes to distancing, that's more of like a time distancing.
1: Well, I think though there there is something that I had picked up in my own life quite a while separate from this. I think it is important to keep a big picture perspective, but I think a lot of life it's it can become too easy with this to justify ignoring a lot of little things going wrong and okay. while that can be okay i think a lot of mental health and things like that is understanding what what you're willing to put up with no that's a really
0: good point yeah i don't i agree with you i don't like if if you're if you're somebody who is the cause of a lot of uh i don't know things going wrong or things happening that other people don't like, Mm -hmm. you're causing grief in other people's lives or you're, you're the impetus for grief. I don't want to say you're causing grief because how people respond is mostly, at least initially there's sort of an intuitive reaction. And then after that, they have a choice. They have a say in the matter, but you're the impetus for grief or you're, it would be kind of an asshole or a dick move to say, well, in a hundred years, it doesn't matter. So you should get over it. That's not really up to you, (laughs) right? That's not really up to you. Um, that's a little bit different than what you were just talking about, but yeah, sometimes things can be going wrong. And if you're just like, well, in a hundred years, it doesn't matter and then move on with your life. Well, that little thing that went wrong may just be the first, um, the first, uh, lock or whatever in a, in a Rube Goldberg machine of other things going wrong. Mm-hmm. So this, this shouldn't be interpreted as it should be ignored. Mm-hmm. You should see what it is. Yeah. And see that if it's something that is going to,
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause other problems and it's fix it. Just, it's yeah. really easy with the idea of will this taking it from the perspective of will this matter in a hundred years? And just saying no, it doesn't matter and ignoring it. it my floors squeak in a hundred years, that won't matter. But yet your floors, them squeaking and you not taking care of it, your it's eventually going to spread through the rest of the house because all the other boards are going to come loose from those board from the few boards that are loose rather than dealing with it up front and getting it taken care of. So I think, I don't know, I would ask a bit more of a different question. What would be the best way to proceed rather than does it really matter if I do something else with my time rather than taking the time to fix my squeaky floor?
0: Yeah, good point. All
1: right, let's go on to number two,
0: process orientation. The process is often more important than the result. What does this mean? Process orientation. The process is often more important than the result. This can be the trouble with some of these short summaries. It's like they might not be as clear to somebody else reading this as it is to you when you write it, (laughs) because you've got certain things in mind when you write it.
1: Hmm. What do you think? What do you think it means? Process orientation. So I think of this in we all have different things of how we approach different things that happen. It's not just your daily routine, but to a degree, I think that is some of it too. Um, how do we, ha- what is the process for how we handle different things uh, in our life? Um, to give you an example of this, uh, I, I don't know. This is a little, a little bit of the business background and the way I think. Sure. At a McDonald's, they have a process for all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. Everything has a process and it's, broken down to be extremely simple so any idiot can do it. I think that's kind of what this, what the author is talking about here. We all have different processes for how we do different things in our daily life. Again, it's not just your daily routine, but it's how you handle things. How do you prepare your lunch? How do you get ready for the day? How do you handle things as you drive to work? How do you handle things at work? How do you handle things when you talk to your kids? How do you handle things when you talk to your spouse? What is your personal process for how you go about doing that? We might not necessarily pay attention to it individually, but we do have certain habits, certain ways that we are we consistently go about doing things in our daily life. And that, I think, is what he's talking about when the process.
0: Yeah, I think you're right about that. I, think that. I think that probably is what he's talking about. I think that's a very important thing. The process is often more important than the result. Hmm. I would I would need to understand some specific examples of what he means by more important. Mm-hmm. I would probably say the process is often just as important because how you do something, you might get the same result at the end, but if you've done it in an unnecessarily circuitous manner, then you could be wasting time, precious, valuable time. You could be wasting resources that could be better served elsewhere. So paying attention to the process. And mm-hmm. a company like McDonald's is the example you brought up. They expanded very fast. Mm-hmm. They're all over the world and they need to make sure that things are done. The results are the same everywhere. Mm-hmm. Because they want you walk yeah. into a McDonald's in one city, you 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 they want their customers to get this have the same experience with the same end result as mm-hmm. if you you know, you're halfway around the world and you walk into a well, McDonald's. Within geographic locations. I mean they don't necessarily serve exactly the same well no the menus might be different you go to you go to one you go to a McDonald's in India you're, you're getting a <laughs> very different menu yes you know there's no burgers on that menu <laughs> I know that I, I talked to some guys and we were talking about that one time yeah uh, from India yeah. anyway um, they've got like a lot more chicken options and pork options and other things
1: whereas you go to one in Japan you have a lot more seafood options <laughs> seafood options yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time there's a there's still a lot of that when you go in they
0: want you to they want you to feel like you're at a McDonald's mm-hmm. and there's certain expectations of what that means. And so they have to simplify a lot of their processes mm-hmm. down to the lowest common denominator. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the idiots quote unquote, I
1: guess
0: <laughs> we could say. Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, and so that, that's important. So there's no, there's no fluff. There's no, there's no waste mm-hmm. of time. There's no waste of yeah. resources to get there. And the other thing is, they're selling food extremely cheap. Mm-hmm. Their margins are extremely small. They can't afford, you know, you, you know, pennies of waste adds up when it's such a big operation like McDonald's. So you've really, you've really got to be super efficient at everything. And that's really kind of what it's talking about is the process is a question of efficiency. The result is a question of quality.
1: Mm-hmm. Process
0: is efficiency in order to achieve that. Not necessarily.
1: Okay. No, go on. The, the process can be about quality. I mean, each of us individual, when it comes to McDonald's, yes, there's no doubt. It is about efficiency. Uh, a lot of, well, not all businesses, but a lot of businesses base things very much on efficiency so they can do high volume and make a profit off of scale, yeah. uh, off of small margins. But there are also lots of businesses that have processes that are based on quality, making sure a, you have a quality outcome to an event, uh, to their product. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love art knives, not just like glitzy knives, but like high quality material knives. One of my favorite manufacturers is a company uh, based out of Arizona called Medford Knife and Tool Company. Their knives are ridiculously expensive, I mean, just stupid expensive, but they always use very high quality material. If they mess up on something, it gets discarded and they start all over. They don't sell low quality products. They take a lot of time to make sure that these look good, that they, within their particular theme of how they do things, because they do things in a very um, steampunk fashion, Mm -hmm. but with a very art touch to it. Interesting. Very colorful within a, a steampunk color scheme. And their quality is amazing. But again, it's their processes of how they do things how they go through their process to manufacture a knife from the different cutting parts, making sure that everything is exactly the same and then customizing it according to the customer's wants with the colors, with particular shapes on their different models that they can do for the customer, things like that. It's, it's part of the process, but then breaking that, moving that over to us as individuals, we can do the same and how we choose to handle or how we process things in our life. Mm-hmm. Do we take the time to make sure we're getting a quality event? Do when we stop to talk to our wife, are we just trying to rush through things or are we taking the time to make sure that we're developing that relationship? Are we thinking about the finances as we're thinking about the finances and nothing else? Or are we also understanding that, Hey, I'm going to be, I want to be with my spouse for the rest of my life. So I'm going to not just deal with the finances. I'm also thinking about that relationship. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's really good. Um,
0: yeah, I guess in some cases efficiency, I mean, you want your result to be quality typically, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes not, I guess. Yeah. Uh, We can probably think of examples of that. Um, okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's go on to number three, negative visualization. How much would life be different if you didn't have something? That's interesting. I mean, I could think about if I didn't have the house that I have, I've lived here 15 years. I own it. I mean, I still have a mortgage, so I guess I co-own it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still have property taxes, so I guess I, I, I co-own it. Co-ownership
1: with three different parties. <laughs> yeah. Three different parties. <laughs>
0: um, how would my life be different uh, yeah, yeah. if I was in a, a smaller apartment and the money I was paying every month was going in some landlord's pocket and it wasn't building towards, you know, equity. Removing in one asset. of those partners eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do think about that. I mean, I, I do hate that, you okay. know, so much of what I pay goes towards just an interest, you mm-hmm. know, an interest payment. And at the end of the day, you've paid three times for your house. Yeah. Um but still at the end of the, at the end of that 30 years if you've been renting apartments all that time you have no equity at the end you're equityless whereas at the end i have my house
1: it's it's i've got all the equity i own it you you have the the ownership of the home you've removed one of the parties that starts out or in any rental situation is party to the agreement of you living in, in their place yeah yeah um so yeah you could you could remove it you could
0: you could imagine yourself in a different situation and that will have an effect or, or could have an effect. Maybe not always could have an effect of increasing the gratitude that you feel towards the the thing, if Mm -hmm. it is something material or the person, Mm -hmm. you know, what, where would my life be if I didn't get married, you know, 17 years ago to her, you know, maybe it was something
1: later with somebody else. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I think, Well, with negative visualization, I I do think it's good to think about it in terms of where life would be without things in order to be grateful. But I think it's also a good way to think about this when it comes to minimalistic living. Mm -hmm. I'm not a, a strong advocate for minimalistic living, but I do think that there's definitely some good points to not accumulating too much stuff. That can get really burdensome to the point where it's difficult to get anything done. Uh, thinking of, b- about something before you make that purchase, uh, asking the question: How different is your life really going to be with this particular acquisition? How much would be different if you didn't have negative visualization? I talked
0: about negative visualization and, on another recent episode. It was it was in a little bit
1: different of a vein than this, though. And you could probably even use this if you're new to um, stoicism in taking inventory of your personal, like going through your house, going through the different things that you own and deciding what what's really important, what's really helping you to achieve your goals. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about what's the adage,
0: a cluttered space leads to a cluttered mind or I don't know, something around that. But, but having your space cluttered with stuff you really don't need, you know, maybe, maybe for some people, there's no effect of that. Maybe it's Hmm? totally beneficial. Excuse me. Totally beneficial life. Not an issue. It's never a problem. Fine. But maybe for some people it does cause, um, there are negative unintended
1: consequences or there are things that happen that could be resolved by decluttering. Yeah. For me, I'm definitely on the decluttering side, but I understand there are people who can, well, they're okay with having more clutter in their life. Um, not to negatively rag on her, but my wife is like that. She's okay with a little bit more clutter than I am. Uh, I, I've learned to tolerate it more in my time being married. Uh, but it it helps to have things as simple for me as possible. It's a lot easier to be able to move around, change positions, be able to do different things if I have less stuff bogging me down. Yeah. Okay,
0: all right. Let's uh, let's go on to the next one. Number four: body and mind. The body is not the mind. Separate the two. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot
1: on that. <laughs> uh, the I mean, the body is I don't know, kind of a different muscle in that how it functions, but yet it is it definitely operates in a similar way to how muscles do, but it does a completely different function than how. Well,
0: I guess the way I look at it is is the body is the hardware. The mm-hmm. mind is the software. Now, but it obviously, it's on. all body. It's storage space. Yeah, it's storage space. The ancients yeah. probably thought that there was this soul that you know was mm-hmm. separate and that was part of the mind and blah blah blah. I don't. I don't know if that's true. I don't think so. If we take a more scientific approach to it, but that doesn't mean it's not. There's not value in regarding them as separate things in mm-hmm. in the sense of again hardware, software, software. You see it. We're looking at a computer screen right now. We see the software. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's still all just hardware. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe that analogy works pretty far. The body's not the mind. The hardware is not the software. Let's see if we can play around with that. Separate the two. Well, hardware can can break and not work right. And that doesn't have to affect the experience, the user experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if your sound card goes out, you can still use a computer for a lot of different things. Except hmm. for watching movies or listening to music, and maybe you didn't do those things anyway.
1: Or you could buy an external sound card and just plug it in by USB, <laughs> <laughs> which I guess you can kind of do nowadays with um,
0: prosthetics. Mm. Yeah, with with prosthetics, <laughs> um, the body's not the mind. Separate the two. <laughs> but I think I think what it might be touching on here as well is the idea of pain. Yeah. Okay, there are there are people who can experience pain but can mentally, in a sense, shut it off. Right? It 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 takes some work to get to that point, but there's something I could use.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've I've heard of of people being able to do that through meditation and other things. I think it's possible,
1: but I think it it's not an easy state to achieve. <laughs> no, pain is a difficult thing to learn to deal with. Yeah, I don't know body and mind being able to separate the two somehow with a lot of the things that you do. I don't know. And uh, this, I don't know. Yeah. I'd have to do some, get more information.
0: Well, something that comes to mind for me on this, let me, let me run this by you and see what you think. There have been times where, and this isn't unique to me at all. A lot of people experience this where, um, you can feel kind of, uh, down or depressed or whatever. And that can that can, that can kind of carry on for a while. It's not just like a sadness because something happened, but it is more like a, like a depression, like it is more like a mental health type of issue, like a clinical type of thing. And what I've learned and what I think now is that that sort of thing is a result of um, processes in the brain, which is a result of different chemical inputs and outputs and stuff. So, when I think of separating body body and mind, what what has helped me get through those moments is realizing that however I'm feeling in my mind, it's only in my mind it's not connected to anything external for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it might not, it might not pass. It might take some time to pass until I feel better, but nothing is, nothing is threatening me. Nothing's going to eat me. Right. So even though I feel bad, it's not like I'm plugged into something that's causing it. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. My body is fine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm, my body's healthy. I'm not, um, I'm not like,
1: about to be eaten by a monster. So you're talking about separating your emotions or a lot of the regular things that we feel on a day to day basis, separating that in your mind from how you're reacting in your body.
0: Yeah. I guess in a way, it's like your mind might perceive a threat and it might go into flight or flight, or it might, you know, have its, its cortisol release the stress hormone or adrenaline, things like that, there might be things that will, these physical things that will affect your mental state. Mm -hmm. But it's not always true that you're going to die. It's not always true that, like I said, you're about to be eaten by a monster. It's not always true that you're you're really being threatened. Okay, so understanding that I'm sort of worked up right now in some way because of adrenaline or cortisol or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, or these sort of things have been completely depleted in my mind. Including the dopamine and the serotonin and the feel good hormones, they're depleted for some reason. And so I feel like shit. Mm -hmm. But just keeping in mind that there's, that's not connected to anything external. I'm fine. Okay. There's, you know, whatever's causing this, I should probably deal with it. I should probably figure out how I can feel better and stay feeling better Mm -hmm. because I don't like not feeling well. I don't like that I'm not feeling good. Mm -hmm. And however we're feeling. There's a chemical component to that. There's a hormonal component to that. Yeah. Right. So that's that's the hardware affecting the software. When we separate the two, we can say I'm okay. My hardware's not really under threat. Um, this is pa- this has come and gone in the past. This, this will pass again. So I shouldn't. I should keep myself. So when I'm feeling that way, I'm very careful not to think about the future because nothing good will come about thinking about the future when you're feeling bad. Does that yeah. make sense? When you're feeling down and depressed, don't think about the future and, and try to make future plans because you're not, you're not, you're not, an, you're not mean, feeling the anticipation hormones, which is one of them, dopamine or serotonin or whatever it is. I think it's dopamine. Yeah, you're going to make, that's depleted. So you're not negative consequences. Yeah. So if you're think if you try to think about the future when you're feeling bad, that future that you might plan for could be very bleak, mm-hmm. could be very short. Mm-hmm. So it's not a good idea to think about the future when you're feeling bad. So that's, that's one way where your, where your body, your hardware is doing something to you. Um, and realizing you don't, you don't have to do certain things mentally. You don't have to think about the future just because, because of that. I don't know. That's, that's something else to get into, I guess, when it comes to body and mind.
1: I don't know. Anything you want to say before we go on? No, I, I do think that it, it is helpful to kind of stop and separate how you're thinking about things, particularly in panic situations
0: <laughs> sorry I don't I don't know if this is gonna come through but some members of my family in another part of the house are singing happy birthday I don't think it'll come through I apologize if it does anyway let's okay sounds like sounds like they're done um okay but no it's it's not they're they're going again hang hang on one second so all right I've murdered everybody involved okay let's go on
1: Now would be a good time to talk about The separation of the mind Yeah, memento mori We all have to die, today was their day Okay Uh,
0: Number five, art of acquiescence Let things go so they can be What they were meant to be This this is I think related to number eight Which we'll get to, dichotomy of control Um, Let things go So they can be what they were meant to be Um, I don't think it's it's totally talking about this. It's probably talking about some other things, too. But there is the bit about things that are outside of your control. And if you obsess over those things, that may not work out well for you. It Sorry to
1: backtrack. Did we miss number five? No, we're on number five. Oh, I thought you had talked about numbers. You were starting to talk about six. No, no. So. I, I
0: said that. Because number six is Memento Mori, which is about death. And oh, I just okay. murdered my family. So, mm-hmm. oh, okay. yeah. No, we're <laughs> going – we'll get to that here in a second. Oh, okay. No, number five, Art of Acquiescence. Let things go so they can be what they were meant to be. That's
1: kind of interesting. Be what they were meant to be. So, let your family sing happy birthday so they they can be what they're meant oh, to be. shit. shit. <laughs> you had to go there.
0: <laughs> um, well, yeah. I mean, I – Obviously, I was teasing him. I'm not really angry or anything. That's not to say I wasn't annoyed. It it is an annoyance, but I'm not angry or anything like that. And they're they're fine. They're not dead yet. Um, really, let, he did separate their minds and bodies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let things go so they can be what they were meant to be. Um, I guess the thing I'm thinking about right now is really like other people, like our kids a lot of people a lot of a lot of parents try to guide in a more or less controlling way in a more or less coercive way they try to guide their children's lives mm-hmm. into something like i was you know i was a star football player and i want my kids to 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 be a star football player so i'm going to push them and guide them into that life yeah but maybe they're miserable mm-hmm. but i'm disregarding all that because i want them to follow in my footsteps rather than oh, i apologize Rather than um, letting it go and letting my kids become the people who they want to become. Mm-hmm. That's that's one thing.
1: Yeah. But I think this is also as, I don't know, in life, we I don't know, you can become involved with other people's lives very easily. And mm-hmm. as we expand our sphere of influence, as we get to know other people, it's very easy for us to get caught up in other people's lives too and become very involved with that. I think this has an application there also, Yeah, understanding that you don't have to be super involved in everyone else's life, understanding that they can go be what they were meant to be, and it doesn't necessarily have to 100% involve you. That just brought to my mind the idea of failure.
0: It's okay to let people you care about, like like your kids or your spouse or whoever, do something that that you think they aren't capable of doing and and it's going to lead to failure. Mm-hmm. You don't have to jump in and interfere and not let them fail. Mm-hmm. It's okay
1: to let it be mm-hmm. because there's value in failure. Yeah. You know, it. Uh, this is one of those, I don't know, not to get too political on this particular podcast. That's not really the point of it. But uh, this is one of those learned behaviors that we pick up from school is that negative connotation around failure. Mm-hmm. Failure is something that we all need to experience. It's something it's how we learn and understand how things work. Understanding that it, it's a, a means test, we need to understand how things work, and a lot of that is breaking it. It shouldn't it shouldn't be a cause for feeling
0: shame, mm-hmm. or for other people, or for you shaming somebody because they failed or they made a mistake. Mm-hmm. It should it should just be a learning experience. It shouldn't be a cause for, for shame, you know, shame or punishment or anything like that. It should just be let's understand what happened, let's mm-hmm. learn from it, mm-hmm. but let's keep the attitude that failure
1: has this value, mm-hmm. like you it, say. Yeah, you're understanding the inner workings of how something happened, how things work, how a particular thing operates within your world. And you're breaking it apart, finding out the ins- insides at, instead of just the surface level of something. Okay. All right, let's go on
0: to number six. This one I really like. <laughs> Memento mori. Remember you will die, which is, which is one bit. And the other bit is stay present.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Remember you will die. Stay, stay present. Um, we all have to die. Nobody mm-hmm. will escape that. I'm not ever going to die. You're not ever going <laughs> to die. Um, so, you know, thinking about that, what, what should that do? Keeping that in mind, what should be the result of keeping that in mind? This person says staying
1: present because we don't know when it could be tomorrow. It could be, it could be within the next 10 minutes. Uh, So making sure that you're paying attention to what's going on you around you, what it is you're doing. I think that's really good and living in the moment, uh, but not getting too making sure you're balancing that out with not getting too caught up in the moment where you're forgetting where that's going to lead you in the future. Well, yeah, remembering that you're probably not going to die in the next
0: <laughs> the next ten minutes. Chances are you're not. Mm-hmm. So don't totally fuck yourself over ten minutes from now by engaging in something right now because you think you know YOLO. You only live once. I'm going to die someday. Let's do it now. Mm-hmm. Oh crap! I'm still alive. I've I've got to live with these consequences now.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> uh, I think they're. I don't know. I've been trying to illustrate balancing points on how we think about all these different points. And I think that this is another thing where you've got to balance it out. Yes, you should be living in the moment and trying to live to the fullest within that moment. But you can't just rack up a bunch of debt on a credit card or something like that. Don't be foolish. You're going to – that's going to have – really long-term negative consequences because, the chan- like you said, the chances are you're not going to die in the next 10 minutes. Yes, it's a possibility, but it's a slim possibility. So you do need to still plan for the future and be operating in that idea while you are think- living in that moment. So, yes, live in the moment, but live in the moment in such a way where you're planning for the future. Hmm. I like that. All right, number seven, think, then
0: react. What comes first? the belief, or the emotion. Kind of like what I alluded to earlier, there is sort of an instinctual reaction to to stimulus, right? There is sort of like something jars you and you either react immediately
1: angry or immediately happy or immediately, we have a visitor. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We're we're at Skylar's house today and I brought my youngest son with me. He was nice enough to come and show us his favorite car that Skylar has. <laughs> Toy car.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. That's just one of the hazards of recording in your house. It's fine though. <laughs> we love kids. They're not a burden. We love them. <laughs> that's why Skylar killed his family earlier. Yeah, yeah. No, that wasn't the little ones doing it. That was the older ones. Uh, um, okay, think then react. Okay, so what I was saying is there is sort of an instinctual initial reaction to something. There isn't it. There isn't it immediate emotional reaction. But you don't have to keep that. You don't have to stay with that. Okay. At some point that in- instinct becomes thoughtfulness and you have to think, do I maintain this? Is this a good idea to, to stay this way or do I change it? Okay. At, at some point you have control over it and it's no longer, it's no longer, uh, what's the word? It's no longer being caused by anything outside of yourself. You're maintaining it. Therefore you're causing it to, to stay with you. Yeah, And whether that's anger or sadness or, or something, um, pain, that's not an emotion, right? That's a little, little different. And if you're some able pain to master just stays,
1: it never, go away. <laughs> it never goes away. <laughs>
0: um, okay. All right. So think, think then react. So, okay. So where I was going was at some point you regain control over your reaction to the, to the thing. And then before you do react, it's good to stop and think and say, is, is there any value to me, you know, maintaining my anger, and reacting angrily to this? Or is that going to cause more harm to myself or to the thing or to somebody else, right? Like a kid comes in and he, you know, he runs up to you and punches you in the crotch. He's four years old. You know, he just wants to come play with, with dad. He wants to start fighting with you. You've yeah. fought with him in the past. Yeah. You know, he, he might not quite think about that the same way you are in this moment. No. So you can get really, you know, you can get really angry and you can, you know, do something to him that you'll hopefully you'll end up regretting. Yeah. Um, or you can just take a moment to, you know, feel it, you know, could, you know, think about negative visualization could have been worse. <laughs> yeah. Realizing that he's four, he's not, he, you know, he doesn't intend malice or anything like that. He's not your enemy. He's not your, he's not a monster. And then, and then react to that in a more thoughtful, wiser way.
1: I don't know, that's one example. Yeah, uh, that is something that probably every young dad has had the experience with. And I think it's a good perspective to take. You know, we shouldn't get too caught up with that particular moment. He's not trying to hurt you. You want, you want to settle yourself down, settle your mind, and just understand that you're, he's trying to have fun go have fun with him give yourself a moment to recover if you need most of us will and, and then go play yeah. yeah that particular example i find
0: it's best to to just just react as playfully as you can
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and turn it into a really special moment um yeah i mean you're going to have your quote unquote buttons pushed by people whether they're young or old and you know i have found a lot of value in when you are feeling starting to feel angry about something going for a walk, walking away from it for a minute, walk for a bit, then come back. And it's okay to, to tell the person, you know, how you felt, the feelings that their actions inspired in you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I don't think it's okay to blame them for your emotions. Mm-hmm. There's the initial reaction, but then you take control at some point and, and now it's up to you. Um, so I, I think, Taking responsibility for, for your emotions is important. Um, but it's also important that, um, it's also important that you talk and you maybe explain to the person why you didn't like whatever it is they did and try to understand why they did it too. Maybe they had no
1: intention of yeah. inspiring anger in you at all. It was totally accidental. And that can be part of your process and how you're operating there. Yeah. Uh, making sure that you're taking the time to understand the other person's perspective and not just what you think their perspective was of, or understanding things from your particular point of view what you experienced the other people around you aren't necessarily intending you malice they're just acting according to their own personal interest uh, i think that i don't know even even if they are
0: intending malice there's a reason for that mm-hmm. and i want to know why mm-hmm. why why do you hate me? (laughs) Why is it that you intend malice towards me? Why is it that you are, are you going to fix them? Well, no, why, why is it? Yeah. (laughs) Why is it that you're in this moment, my enemy? What caused it? What caused that? Mm -hmm. Tell me. And then if it's, if it's something that I can, that I should take responsibility for, then I should take responsibility for it. If it's something that I did and you thought I intended malice, but I didn't, Mm -hmm then I think we should work that out. I don't, I don't want to have enemies out there. I really don't. That's just for self-interested reason. I don't want enemies because they're going to try to hurt me, (laughs) you know? So if, if, if it's something that I did and I can take responsibility for it, I think I should. And if it's, if I've wronged you in some way, then help me understand how I can make things right. You know, if you're going to demand a million dollars from me, I can't meet that demand. So let's, let's talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, and I just think,
1: I just think the world would be a better place if people just talked about stuff, but yeah. Stop and communicate more than than trying to react to the situation. Okay. Think then react.
0: Okay. Number eight, dichotomy of control. Um, the essence of the serenity prayer. So the serenity prayer, prayer, the serenity prayer, I don't remember what it is verbatim, but it's something about, yeah. Give me the strength to control the things I can and the wisdom to know Mm -hmm.
1: the things that I can, something like that. Whatever. Yeah, I don't remember it either, word for word, but we get the idea of what it is. Letting go of things that you can't control, but learning to handle the things that you do, and then knowing the difference between the two of them. Uh, Yeah, I think this is definitely a good thing to understand, particularly the knowing the difference between can you and can't you control a particular thing. Is this something that I really can or should have control of, or try to play with, or is this something that I should? We talked about earlier. Let it go. That acquiescence. Should we let it be what it's going to be? That's yeah, I think.
0: Um, I think it can be. It can be a total waste of time. It can be a total waste of resources. It can be, and not only that, but it can also be damaging in different ways to obsess about something. That you have no control over. Take, take the people, and again, we don't want to make this political. This is just an example that everybody can relate to. There's a lot of people that really don't like Donald Trump, who's the mm-hmm. current president of the U.S. It's, it's uh, September 2020 when we record this. And these people don't have any control at all over whether or not they're, Donald Trump is the president or what he does as the
1: president. Either that or they're choosing to uh, express very limited control. I mean, most people have, uh, they don't live their lives on a complete emotional high from one thing to the next. Mm-hmm. More than likely, those people do choose to control how they react in other parts of their lives. It just, for some reason, they become extremely unhinged with this situation. Right. They become unhinged and all of the negative I don't know if we say
0: negative I think they they serve a purpose whatever that may be but mm-hmm. the unpleasant hormones that get released right this the cortisol and the adrenaline and so forth when we obsess about something like Donald Trump that we have no control over I think our quality your quality of life can go down mm-hmm. through that constant obsession of you know orange mm-hmm. man bat because okay, it, and maybe he is maybe he isn't but if you're obsessing over that and you're you're allowing kind of ironic because you're, you're letting him, right. You're
1: letting him have this influence over you. Yeah. And it's reducing your quality of life. This tie I think ties into a few other things. Um, thinking and re- reacting, how do we stop and think about and react to things, making sure that we're handling that right. But also, um, sorry, the thought that I was trying to express there is gone now. Uh, but anyway, I'll try to wander around it and see if it comes back. <laughs> Wander around, <laughs> kick a few rocks, <laughs> see if you find the path again. Uh, but really, you're, yeah, it's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> There's no salvaging
0: it. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's possible that somebody really does. Maybe their qual. It's possible that a person's quality of life does improve by obsessing over Donald Trump and hating him. It's hard for me to believe, but it's, I, I guess it's possible. I, I would think that. Obsessing over something you hate so much would, um, would do, would do damage to, to you psychologically, emotionally. And it, it just, it just seems like you could improve, improve your life by turning that off. And a lot of people report turning off things like Facebook and, Mm -hmm. you know, feeling better after doing that because so much on Facebook is just being made aware of facts that are out of your control. Yep. Whether they're political or, or financial or whatever it might be. You're being made aware of things that are triggering and there's nothing you can do about it. So, what's what's the point? You know, what's the what's the point in, in
1: staying uh, plugged into that? Yeah. So, I, I think I managed to get that thought back a little bit because this has to do with, a lot with your quality of life. So, you're getting that from the first point on this list, the cognitive distancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to understand the bigger picture of things. In order to really have the wisdom of understanding what you do and don't control. If you're living too much in that moment, you're not going to see that. You're not going to be able to see what comes next because you're going to be too caught up in the emotion from feeling, particularly when you have the people who are caught up in the orange man bad situation that we're referring to. This isn't all of them, but a lot of those people who are in that idea have a hard time thinking beyond that. It's just the next thing that president Trump de- does, they're going to be upset about it no matter what. And that helps them. F- what prevents them from being able to understand that they don't control that, that they, there is things beyond whatever it is he's doing, that there is a future, that there are things that's going to happen in your life that are more important than whatever it is he's doing. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's great. All right. Let's go on. Number nine,
0: challenge impress- impressions. Is your belief really true? Where's your evidence? This happens a lot with things like confirmation bias, where we read something and because it, because it sort of, we already sort of agree with it. We, we'd lend it more uh, weight, uh truth weight mm-hmm. or whatever. We lend it more credence than we, we probably should. Mm-hmm. Everybody suffers from this. Um, so there's, there's that, there's confirmation bias. There's, um, is your, uh, is your belief really true? There is, there is, um, the idea of hearing something and then thinking, well, this rings true to me. Mm -hmm. I think that's just another way of saying this confirms my bias. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Personally, but yeah, uh, I think both of us coming from an LDS perspective, uh, this can have lead to an interesting discussion there. If we got into religion, uh, but also in politics, because this isn't just limit. It's not just limited to how we think with religious or political things. It's how we think about a lot of other things. Uh, say, for example, how do you think about your financial situation? Is your belief in something, some particular thing, really true? Uh, let's plug in, for example, a four hundred one k. Is your belief in four hundred one k's ability to for you to slowly put money away in it, going to lead to you being able to live off those funds in the future and retire, that I think is an example of how we – something that we should challenge and being able to challenge even the most basic or most commonly accepted things like that. Yeah. Um, I think they're called sacred cows. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there's um, conventional wisdom. There's sacred
0: cows. There's thing, There's beliefs. I get passed on and persist and at some point it might be a good idea to call them into question
1: mm-hmm. if
0: only to validate them mm-hmm. it might it may turn out that the reason they persisted is because they really are mm-hmm. helpful or beneficial or true yeah. in some sense uh, but at the same time maybe they've just persisted erroneously maybe they're maybe they're benign but maybe they are in some sense doing damage to something mm-hmm. and if we can figure that out and at least at least reduce its effect in our
1: life then that that might be a good thing so we can plug in another thing with that along that same vein that is still well a more is a commonly held trope and that is that you need to go to school that you need to then go to work at an, a, with an employer and that you need to stay working with that employer for 20 30 years and then retire from them being able to challenge that notion and then decide is that really something that rings true? Is that something that really does meet out what it is you're trying to do long-term? Yeah. Yeah, there is. I mean, that, that particular belief has definitely
0: come apart in recent years uh, when you consider technological developments that have, that have made it, have made it possible to get to learn skills and to do things outside of that traditional Mm -hmm. college classroom and still become valuable to employers. Um, a lot of that, a lot of those traditional type beliefs have been, have started to unravel, which has been interesting to see. Um, or the, the idea of working for a company for 30 years. I mean, the idea of a pension that's, that's not, those aren't around less so in the private quote unquote private sector than the public sector. Yeah. And even the punt, the pensions in the public sector are, are, uh, entering dangerous, uh, Financial crisis
1: waters. <laughs> yeah, they have to have <laughs> you know. money behind those in order for you to pay for that pension. Yeah, and if they they lose that money, then you don't necessarily have that. <laughs>
0: yeah, and and so for for many people in many industries, it, it might be a good idea to save for retirement outside of your employment. Don't tie it to your employer, um, but also to, to 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 say, look, loyalty to my employer is not. Is not always what serves me the best. Mm -hmm. If I'm valuable to my employer, then my employer will will pay me what they can. But I'm also going to go to other employers and say, these these are my skill set. You know, are you hiring? What will you pay me? You know, get get their offer and then bring that back to your employer and say, look, I've got offers for this amount. Are you willing to meet it? Are you going to show loyalty to me? And, you know, maybe, maybe not. And then you do what's best for you and, and move. That's okay, too. And, yeah, so you're sort of challenging these. These ideas that – which really have the effect of serving employers more than it does employees of loyalty, especially when what you're getting from
1: that employer has is not as much as maybe you used to. But. Yeah. Something else to add on to that. I, I, I like the colloquialism, um, make hay while the sun's shining. Uh, so to bring this back to education, a lot of – there's a lot of information available on the internet right now. We can find out about a vast array of different things just within a few clicks. Uh, And you can really dig deep into things so that you understand them a great deal. Uh, But we need to understand that that is something that is fairly new. And there's a chance that that might not be here in the future. So take advantage of that opportunity while you can. Hmm. I I don't know that it will happen it is a growing trend for govern governments to censor things on the internet. Yeah. There is a chance, I don't know how well it'll work out in the future. I don't know. I don't claim to predict the future, um, but there is a chance that a lot of that information could go away in the future and or or could be limited to what it is those in power want you to think. Yeah. Yeah. Um so in other words, I guess while it's available now, it might be a good
0: idea to either take it, you know, save it offline, mm-hmm. archive it, take advantage of the opportunity, mm-hmm. learn from it now. Um, but also, it you know, it's a good time to, you know, podcast. I mean, start a podcast and start talking about stuff and put your voice out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if you don't get a lot of people listening
1: to it, that's fine. You might get some, but you're also... You're getting stuff out of it yeah. just by doing it. You're yeah, over- exactly you have to dig into a topic in order to be able to understand and be able to speak about it. Uh, it's also a good way to think through things to really get your wheels spinning. Particularly if you've got a couple people. people, yeah. you, you can bounce ideas off of. That, that's a great way to be able to understand. Something. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now that we're done patting ourselves on the back, number <laughs>
0: 10, <laughs> number 10, uh, do your job make an impact in
1: your limited time on this planet. Um, Do your job. I think that that leads into a little bit of what you were just talking about, Uh, making an impact with podcasts, blogging, different things like that. What are you doing to leave a mark on this life? Uh, An example I heard a long time ago along this line is if you take a, a glass of water and you put a toothpick in it and then you pull it out, do you notice that the toothpick was ever there? Is that the kind of life that you want to live? to have never been noticed, or do you want to make a significant difference? It's not intended to give you a deep reason why, but it gives you a lot to think about as far as, am I making an impact? And is this thing going to make an impact, or is it just going to be a toothpick in water?
0: Now, I think everybody probably needs to find their own reason Mm. of why they should make an impact. I I don't think there's any sort of obligation that you have to. And you may, and you you may not care, right? You may you may truly not care. You just want to live your life and be forgotten. Mm-hmm. That's fine too, I guess. If that's if that's how you feel. Um, where is I going with that? Uh, so you
1: know, everybody's got to find their own reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and even I've, people who don't want to make an impact, they are making an impact in small, subtle ways. They don't necessarily have to maximize those, but they can do a good job of them while they are doing
0: it. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's see. Um, I guess just to review, cognitive distancing, process orientation, negative visualization, body and mind, art of acquiescence, memento mori, think then react, dichotomy of control, challenge impressions, and do your job. So I'll link to the original and you can go check it out. And there's some conversation. And when the guy posted this, he was kind of asking you know, what people thought about it and if they would add or subtract to it. So... You'll probably get some good discussion out of that there on Reddit. Um, anything else
1: you want to add? No, I think this is a, a good spot for beginners to be able to understand more about stoicism, particularly as you go through a lot of the comments on, on that particular Reddit post. There are some. There is some really good discussion about several of the different you know, ideas there. I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's a really good subreddit. There's a lot of really thoughtful people that have. You know,
0: a lot more experience with this stuff than, than I do that, that lend their wisdom to the discussion. So it can be very instructive. All right, that'll do it. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Chris, for joining me. Thank you for having me. All right, thank you. Have a better day. Please send your comments or questions to thinkinganddoingpodcast at gmail.com. Please consider supporting this podcast at everythingvoluntary.com by visiting patreon.com forward slash EVC or paypal.me forward slash everything voluntary. Thank you.